Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, April 28th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Russia yesterday launched its biggest economic weapon against Europe. And of course, steps like this, I think, only speed up the determination of EU countries to reduce their reliance on Russian gas themselves. And we've got the latest on Arkegos and Credit Suisse earnings, plus Spotify. Is it like Netflix or is it not? I'm Jess Smith, in for Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The Ukraine conflict entered a new phase yesterday. Russia's state gas company Gazprom cut off gas supplies to Poland and Bulgaria after they refused to pay in rubles. Gas prices skyrocketed, the European currency tumbled, and European leaders accused Moscow of blackmail. The FT's European diplomatic correspondent, Henry Foy, explains why Russia chose to target Poland and Bulgaria, even though other EU countries are also refusing to pay in rubles. That's a great question. I mean, we don't know exactly for sure why. There are other countries that have said they will continue paying in euros under their existing contracts. But it looks like Russia has chosen Poland and Bulgaria as, as weak spots. They're, they're countries right on the east. They're, they're one of the first countries to get gas as it transits into Europe. They're looking to divide the EU, I believe, by picking on some countries and not on others. It's also worth bearing in mind Poland has been really one of the most vocally critical uh, countries in the Western alliance and one of the biggest supporters of Ukraine. It's taken millions of Ukrainian refugees. It's sent huge amounts of uh, financial and military support to Ukraine. And it's really the main conduit for all Western weapons that are being shipped into the country to help the Ukrainian defense. So Henry, what kind of impact is this going to have on Poland and Bulgaria? Will they be able to source gas from someplace else? So Poland's Prime Minister Mateusz Morawiecki came out all guns blazing. He accused Russia of gas imperialism and told his people, look, in the autumn, we're not going to need Russian gas anyway. So until then, we're going to find alternative supplies. By the autumn, we'll be fine. Bulgaria is also going to have to try and find some gas supplies from other way. But the important thing to remember here is that other EU countries are still getting gas. Gas is still flowing from Russia to Germany. It looks as if the EU is going to be able to share some gas around, top up gas supplies. And let's remember, it's only April. There's three or four months of the summer to come when the weather should be warmer, when countries will hopefully fill up their supplies as much as possible. And at that point, we'll be able to know later on in this year how well EU countries will cope through the winter. And how might this be resolved? Do you see Russia somehow turning the taps back on? Or is there anything that can undo this? The direction of travel in in Europe, in the EU, is to wean all countries off all Russian oil and gas as soon as possible in response to the war. The war was a real wake-up call, a real lesson that the EU had for too long taken for granted. Uh, Russian hydrocarbon supplies and that it gave Moscow way too much leverage over the country. So I think this is a one-way street. The real question is how quickly it happens. And of course, steps like this, I think, only speed up the determination of EU countries to reduce their reliance on Russian gas themselves. So we've seen Russia escalate the war since it first invaded Ukraine two months ago. And yesterday we saw Vladimir Putin make some really scary comments. Yeah, I mean, Putin is obviously getting more and more aggressive. He's he's The war is going on much, much longer than he anticipated and hoped. And yesterday he threatened uh, any countries who helped Ukraine, assisted Ukraine with some kind of response. He said this before, right at the start of the war, if you recall, but now it's much more of a, of a, of a real threat, given how much support in terms of intelligence, in terms of finance, in terms of weapons Western countries have provided 
And you've got to see the decision to cut off gas supplies to Poland and Bulgaria in the same context. This is Putin running out of options and pulling all the levers he has. To cut off energy to Europe is basically the biggest economic weapon Russia can deploy. And he's played it. Uh, and I think that, sh that, that shows you that they're getting more and more desperate in Moscow. And uh, they really, really want the Western countries, Europe in particular, to think twice about helping Ukraine. Henry Foy is the FT's European diplomatic correspondent. The music streaming service Spotify used to compare itself to Netflix, back when the streaming business model was hot. But as Netflix loses subscribers and its stock price plummets, Spotify is taking a different tack. Yesterday, its CEO, Daniel Ek, emphasized how different the two services are. He made his comments as the company announced the latest quarterly earnings, which were not like Netflix's. Here's our U.S. media correspondent, Anna Nicolau. Spotify's results were kind of fine. Um, they lost one and a half million subscribers in Russia because they stopped operating there, which they had already warned about. And then on top of that, they added 2 million subscribers. I mean, it wasn't amazing, but it was not the issues we've seen at Netflix with, with growth slowing very rapidly. So what do you make of Daniel X saying that Spotify is now not like Netflix? I think he has a good point. The music industry is very different from the TV and movie industry, and they've evolved quite differently over the past decade during this whole online disruption era in entertainment. The reason why it's sort of absurd for him to be saying that is because Spotify has over and over and over tried to compare itself to Netflix. The reasons for that are pretty logical. Netflix, until recently, was one of the most successful stocks in recent history. And so Spotify wanted Wall Street to give them the same multiple that they were giving to Netflix. So what does this mean for Spotify and also Netflix, I guess? It seems like we're kind of at a turning point here. The problem with both Spotify and Netflix has been that expectations have been so high and the pressure is on them to keep up that supercharged amount of growth. I think both of them are going to inevitably see a slowing there. Netflix already has. Spotify probably will in the coming years. And the question then is when the dust settles and they become, you know, older businesses, what are they actually worth? Anna Nicolau is the FT's U.S. media correspondent. In the U.S. yesterday, authorities charged Bill Huang with securities fraud and racketeering. Huang is the founder of Arkegos Capital Management. That's the family investment firm that collapsed last year, creating billions of dollars in losses for some of the world's biggest banks, including Credit Suisse. The Swiss lender is still reeling from the Archegos collapse and other scandals. To talk more about this, I'm joined by the FT's European banking correspondent, Owen Walker. Hey, Owen. How's it going? Doing well. So Credit Suisse earnings just came out. Uh, do they provide any additional detail on how badly the Archegos mess affected the bank? Well, actually, uh, they've uh, initially made losses of $5.5 billion in Archegos a year ago. Uh, and actually, what we've seen more recently is they've they've kind of started to look at that and, and claw back a little bit of that. So we've seen a couple of hundred million dollars um, reclaimed as part of those efforts. But what we are seeing uh, now, a year on from the collapse of Archegos, 
is the bank is continuing to make losses quarter after quarter. And it says this year, 2022, is a transition year as it tries to get its house in order on the back of the collapse of Arcagos and a collapse of Greensill Capital, which happened just a few weeks earlier last spring. That was the other big financial scandal that hit Credit Suisse. So the bank's been dealing with a double whammy. Yeah, I mean, in response to that, it completely de-risked its business. It took a lot of, uh, it exited a lot of client relationships. And now it is saying what we're seeing in terms of the losses is uh, a result of that change uh, that was responding to the losses on Arcagos. So now, Owen, we've got this stunning management shakeup. Nearly all the top level executives have been replaced. What's the thinking with this move? If you were to look at uh, the executive board, in the weeks running up to the collapse of Arcagus and Greensill last year, you'll see of the 12 people there, just two are going to be surviving after this latest reshuffle of the uh, executive team. And that's the chief executive, Thomas Gottstein, and the head of the domestic bank in, in Switzerland. And that just really shows you the way the company has had to completely upend its executive board. Several people were, were fired in the immediate aftermath of the, of the crises. A number have retired. But the company has been forced to make a wholesale changes right at the very top in a bid to completely move on, if you like, from these incidents, which were pretty catastrophic. Owen Walker is the FT's European banking correspondent. Thanks, Owen. Thanks very much. You can read more on all these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.